The following sermon is from Lifeway Church of Billings. Teaching our Father's Day sermon, entitled Act Like Men, is Pastor Stacy Gaylord. So happy Father's Day. I'm going to have you turn to 1 Corinthians 16. There's this great little charge at the end of 1 Corinthians. And probably, as you, you, know, as you know, if you've, if you've been around week after week, we're, as a church family, making our way through this, this great book, where Paul writes a letter to this church in Corinth there in the first century with, uh, with all their gifting and all their problems and all that. There's this little charge at the end of it that by the time we get there, I'm probably not going to be able to pay attention to it like I can this morning. So uh, I wanted to do that. And it's a little passage that I've preached on before. It's about manliness. It's, a, it's about an out-of-vogue topic, I guess you might say. And you probably have the realization, um, if you're old enough to look in the mirror, uh, see some lines on your face, see hair not in the right places but showing up in the wrong places, have recollection of places where you just missed it, where you blew it, right? That we are always en route. There's a, I would like to, uh, as an aside, talk about that, uh, you know, one of these days, about what it means to transition from one season in life to another in a way that I don't, I don't think I could have done, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but what it, what it looks like whenever you're, You've been in a season of life, and you make a transition, and you think, okay, this is what adulthood is like. Then you make another transition, and you're like, oh, well, this is, this is what adulthood is like. And then you realize you keep having to make these transitions through life. And some of you are here, and you're in new stages, or you're anticipating a new stage, and what that requires of you, male or female, right? The daunting task of that. I'd like to talk about that at some point. But if you're going to do that, you're going to need the essence of what's in this charge in 1 Corinthians verses 13 and 14. And it reminds me of the existential crisis we have about manliness. The, the notion of being manly um, is really kicked around. It's almost a pejorative term out there. And I, I think culturally, they, they kind of want it both ways. They have these action movies that are about being cool and brave and taking responsibility. Uh, but in other spheres... They almost they they see that as overbearing or or whatnot, but a lot of times our thoughts can be captured, you know, in in essence in a movie. So you might have your favorite guy movie, right? One of mine is is uh, like True Grit. I mean, this what a great title, and what what a great uh, thing to think about. How do you define True Grit? You know, something that's really there, something that's lacking in. Uh, in our culture today, and it's not just a younger generation, it's, it, it kind of applies across the room with uh, an untested people. Another one was the good, and the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Isn't that the Spaghetti Western? Ennio Morricone's theme song. Dun, 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 dun. Sounds just like that, by the way. Um, but one of the fascinating things about the Spaghetti Western was that you had these three guys facing off, and nobody was the good guy. Right? So that's, there's some life to that. Nobody's really the good guy. 
Another one of my personal favorites is Braveheart. So here's why. Not only is it a great story, but the picture of William Wallace in his setting, whether it's historically accurate or not, but the picture of, of him in the movie was somebody that, when there wasn't a call to fight, he could do the ordinary thing. He could, he could work to make a living. He could love his wife. He could be loyal to his friends. He could laugh. And yet, when an enemy was there, he had the courage to stand up, even to the point of personal cost, even to the point of laying down his life. So in great movies, there's always something that the Christian goes, you know what, all great stories take us back to the gospel, take us back to the godness of God and the greatness of God and the goodness of God. And um, I want to take a run at that. Paul says in this passage, act like men. And we might say, well, that sounds pretty good, but what does it mean? So let's read it together. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. It says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, this is God's word. So here's what I want to do. I really want to take three separate runs at this passage. I know there are two verses here, um, but I really want to take it like in three movements, just whether you want to say a big flyover, a closer flyover, and then let's, let's land on something. But um, let's start with this. That'll help us with the phrase, act like men. There are these antonymous phrases to that that ought to make us handle the, the contrast can help clarify meaning sometimes. Say so whenever we say this, it'll help us understand if we go, by this we mean definitely not this. So what does it mean to act like men? Well, definitely not like women. Okay? Now, there's, it's not bad to be a woman. As a matter of fact, it was God's idea that women were women. That's a, it's a really uh, good idea that he came up with, right? So it's just not the calling of men to be women, right? God created us similar in, in many, many ways, but not in all ways. We're different in, in, in several ways. And there are differences in our makeup, and God has given us different roles as well. So whenever he says, act like men, it's definitely making a distinction of not acting like women. Number two, when he says act like men, he definitely doesn't mean act like boys. Before we were speaking of the wrong gender... Here we're speaking of the wrong level of maturity and the right gender, right? It's not bad to be a boy either. An 8-year-old is supposed to act like an 8-year-old. But a 48-year-old is not supposed to act like an 8-year-old, at least very often. I mean, so it's not bad to be a boy, but you're supposed to eventually grow out of it, right? So I'll give you an example. One of my favorite things growing up, and Nolan and I do this, uh, occasionally now. One of my favorite things growing up with my dad was playing catch, the baseball. Uh, football, for, for me, was always, always threw it like a baseball, which is, there's a different release and all that. But I loved playing catch with my dad just because there's a rhythm to it, right? You can, you can talk and do something and play and all that. And so I like doing that with Nolan. And so we'll go out every once in a while, just grab a baseball on our mitts and and throw the ball back and forth. Um, am I acting like a 50-year-old 
there. Well, in a way, you could say, no, that's a, that's a young man's game or that's a kid's game or whatever. But one of the greatest things in life, I think one of the greatest joys in life is teaching your son to do something and then watching them do it well and taking pride in that. Or te- teaching your daughter to do something. like uh, So like in my family, I, I can watch these little things where I've, I've given myself away and it's over and they can do it now. Whether it's like play catch or drive a car or make eggs, which is an important skill in life to learn. Um, but you, as you watch them learn these different skills, you get to see pieces that you imparted that will make them ready for life. There's a great joy in that, Right? But just because you play doesn't mean that you live in the realm of playing. There's a problem with men these days that's a prolonged boyhood. It's the, it's the lack of ability to take responsibility and to take initiative and to face up to the things that you least want to. So whenever Paul says, act like men, whatever else he's talking about, he, doesn't, he definitely doesn't mean act like women or act like uh, a boy, nothing wrong with either one of those unless you're a man and you have a different calling, okay? So those are the opposite of what he's talking about. How about let's take a second run at it now. What's the essence of manliness in God's design? If you're going to nutshell this, if you were going to look at these two verses and say, give me two words that really drill down and, and just give me the basic concept of what it means to be a man. And we, we need to know this. As a matter of fact, if you've got like a four-year-old boy uh, or, a, or a four-year-old daughter, the idea that we would know what does it mean to be a strong man, a godly man, a man, what does it mean to be a, a strong woman, a godly woman, a woman, starting at these early ages, even through talks like this, are really, really important. So what it, how would we nutshell this in these two verses? When verse 13, we'd say one thing that goes to the essence of, of being a man here. Do you see it? Strength. You're supposed to be strong. Let me read it again. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. He's using military lingo. My, uh, my Bible readings right now, I'm in the book of Joshua, and there's this great iconic uh, interaction between God and Joshua at the beginning of that book where Moses is gone. The leader that they've known, who they've followed and grumbled against and all that stuff, he's gone, and now it's Joshua's turn. And like most of us, maybe he's been prepared for that moment, but he probably doesn't feel like he's ready. And God tells him not one thing or the other. He tells him both things. What are, those both, what are both of those things? He tells him, be strong and be courageous, I'll be with you. And a man is supposed to put those together. Joshua has an awful lot that he's going to face. And God is telling him, you're going to have to fight. But I'm going to be with you in that fight, right? In this verse 13, he's using military lingo, lingo that echoes Joshua. God will be with you. Be strong and courageous knowing God is with you and knowing that there's going to be something that's going to require your strength and your courage to deal with. And he addresses what I think are most men's weaknesses. You know, the, the, the notion of manhood is sort of like, I don't know if people still do these these days. The, when I was a kid, if we went to the Tulsa State Fair or whatever, you go in there and there are the mirrors, the carnival mirrors, 
And like one will make you look really skinny and another will make you look real fat and another one will make you look like, you know, different shapes and that sort of thing. The message that we get from culture has this carnival mirror, uh, a carnival mirror effect on how we see what a man ought to be. And rather than look into that mirror, looking into God's word where he addresses things that maybe we find difficult, but we're supposed to. Because some of these things are hard. And we're actually supposed to go, that's right, but I'm to run to the fire. I'm to run to the controversy, the conflict. So when he says be watchful, he talks about what's a weakness that a lot of men have. Just being alert. Being alert about what's going on. A lot of guys settle. They'll settle spiritually. They'll settle emotionally. They'll settle relationally. They'll be even relationally asleep. They'll be dismissive of big concerns or big threats to their family. And what he's saying here is be alert. Be awake. Be watchful. And as a man, your calling is to have your head up. Your calling is to be alert. Is there, is there something that affects my family? Is there something that affects my church? Is there something that uh, affects my wife or this particular child? Have your, eye, you have your head up and your eyes open. Be alert. Most men are tempted, just like the disciples in the garden with Jesus, to just take a minute. Except that that minute turns into the evening. And then you do it day after day after day. Yeah, have you ever... The temptation to check out just because life seems like it's too much. That's, so here's the thing. Stop telling yourself that's just the season I'm in. Dude, that's every day. So wake up, get your head up, and be alert. Be watchful, he says. Um, be principled. Stand firm. Not just stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Uh, have important things that you stand for even against your own immediate interests. Here's a guy who's willing to fight for something beyond his name, above his name, and, uh, and to stand up for it, you know? And being courageous, right? He, he, he throws that in there, act like men, be strong. Now, the only reason you need to do that is if you're facing a threat. But being courageous sounds a little bit like this. If I were going to give you the best um, little phrase, what does it look like to be courageous? Be willing to face what you least want to. So I, I talked about the, the image of uh, William Wallace in Braveheart. What's interesting to me is that most people live out one aspect, most men will live out one aspect, but they really have trouble swinging to the other, either courageous or tender you know, or steady or whatever, but they really have. So you'll see guys who are really courageous. They'll fight anybody, but they live so much on edge that they bring that home. And that the guy who's a brave man out there is a bully at home. Or you'll see a guy who's really tender at home, and he's, he's all of those things, but when he gets out there, he has a hard time standing up and facing the threat. What Paul is saying is, look at those things that you don't want to deal with, and probably on your priorities list, that needs to move way, way up. What is it that you just, it puts you out of your comfort zone? Be willing to face what you least want to. So the first, if you're going to get to the essence of it, when he talks about this in verse 13, strength. It was the essence of manliness. is somebody who's strong. 
Number two, verse 14. It's, it's, you need to do this with guys because uh, guys can result to, uh, or they can resort to, well, if I can lift it or break it or shoot it or something like that, then that's good. I'm in, right? Look at verse 14 again. He says, let all that you do be done in love. Okay, well, that's a game changer. Okay, I'm, I'm supposed to go to war. It's this military lingo that, he, that you get in verse 13. And then all of that has to be guided and motivated by, a, there's this governing principle that takes over. The second part of the essence of that is service. The essence of manliness is strength, sure, for action, that's obvious, right? All those things he says in, verses, uh, in verse 13 is obvious, you know, you, you, and you don't know it's strength unless it's tested. But it's do. Do take action. Do use your strength. There's nothing wrong with being strong. You ought to be strong. And then he goes, here's the compass. Love. Okay? Guides everything. Let all that you do all that you do be done in love. There's a, contrary to the rhythm here uh, that we find in our day and age, your strength was God-given and it was never intended for you. Your strength was something that God gave you to give yourself away. Your strength was designed to be channeled into service, to, make, to lift other people up. You see, it's, it's, it's easy. You, you see people do it all the time in the, in the sports arena. You see somebody who can do something great, and they might, uh, you know, they might do the double thumbs to the name on the back of the jer- jersey. Okay? So that's cultural, right? We get that. We see that. What God gave you your strength for is to see somebody who's been low be lifted up. Somebody who's weak be strengthened, okay? It's God's gift to enable you to put your love into action. Do, verse 13, what guides that? Love. You do it for others, okay? So the essence of manliness is our second run at this, is strength guided by love, by service, okay? Let's take our third run at it, and let's get some practical insights into this. As you think about it, you put these two together, what are maybe some, uh, some principles that we can draw out, draw out and go, okay, well, here's a good insight into what this means. Because like I said, manliness is up for debate. Not only just what it is, but whether it's even a good thing where we live. That might not affect you if you're my age, okay? I'm old enough to be hard-headed. You're raising sons and grandsons and daughters and granddaughters, for whom this is a big issue. And that the, the debate out there or the controversy out there is going to be something they're paying attention to. So um, let's look at this. Let me give you four things. One of the insights is this. Your strength is not merely nor mainly physical. There's a, there are aspects that are physical, right? You know, do the physical, take care of your body, uh, Lift things, and, but do more than the physical. Strength is more than the physical. Strength here in this passage has a lot to do with whether or not you're awake. Uh, where your spirit is, whether you'll oppose a threat, whether your heart is in it. So being able to lift things is awesome, but it doesn't even come up here as handy as all that is. 
right? Or being able to reach things. It's one of the, it's one of the simple joys in life is when your wife says, hey, could you get that glass up there? You're like, yeah, like, you know, you'd like do the little flex thing. Like, it's a good thing you got me around because I can lift stuff. Um, you know, very, very important to be able to reach stuff. But it turns out there's more to manliness than like picking stuff up and reaching stuff, turns out. This kind of string shows up, this biblical, this biblical kind of strength shows up in the way you think, in your loyalty to God and what he's called you to, and your courage to hang in there and see it through. Okay? It's common where we live to have Samson's or would-be Samson's. Now, what's a Samson? I love to preach this on a Sunday morning sometime. When I, was a, when I got bored, and I'm not giving anybody ideas here, but when I was growing up in church, if I didn't like the pastor's sermon, I went to Judges, I think it's like 14 through 16 or something like that, and it was the story of Samson, right? Because he's big and strong, and he, he, uh, he lifts things, and he kills people, which is great, you know, if you're a kid. And he killed the bad guys. But it turns out as you get older and you look back at Samson, Samson has all the makings of a great hero. But he can't steward it. I mean, he can fight and he can pick things up and he can kill things. And so what you see in Samson is like the American ideal of manliness, right? Maybe he's a little bit witty. He's strong, he's a, he's a warrior, he's, he's good with the ladies. But everywhere else he's weak. So if like Samson, you're strong physically, but you're weak everywhere else, you know what that means? It means you're weak. If all you are is strong physically, then you're weak. And as a matter of fact, the passage, the, 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 there are times that you need physical strength, but Manliness really isn't based on that. It's, it's based on something beyond physical, a strength beyond physical, like being courageous and being willing to face threats and that sort of thing, okay? Number two, second insight. Your strength isn't going to be complete without the savvy of wisdom. Okay, you're going to need wisdom. So it's one thing to be able to punch, to throw a punch, but you really need to know who to hit. Okay? It's one thing to be able to break something, but you need to know what to break. Uh, he says, he starts off and he says, be watchful. In other words, don't be sleepy or stupid. It at least means that, right? Be awake to what's going on. Be alert to what's going on and have this kind of discernment, you know, being watchful. It's, it's, uh, uh, in ancient cities, they would have watchtowers, posts where men of the city who had appointed times would get up in that post and they would look out to be aware of danger. Down 99% of the time, nothing's going on out there. Grasshoppers are hopping, you know, the weather's bad, the weather's good, whatever. But your job was to watch because the 99% of the time wasn't the problem. The 1% of the time was the problem, and it could ruin your city. I mean, a lot of innocent people could be killed. So being awake and being discerning to identify a threat. Now, if you were a watchman in an ancient city and you took your post and a bunch of people you didn't know came with weapons, it doesn't take a lot of discernment to go, I think something bad is about to happen here, right? 
you know, and they start taunting you and threatening to take your city, you don't go like, now, do they have us confused with the other city, you know, the, down the road or anything like that? You know where you live, you have to have the discernment to identify a threat. You can't beat an enemy you call a friend, okay? You can't beat an enemy that you don't see as a threat. So discernment, again, sees danger where the naive sees attraction, uh, a young man will run to something thinking uh, it's, it's beautiful and it'll pay him back uh, when it undermines him. And discernment says, I see danger even if she looks really, really good. Your strength is not going to be complete if you don't know where to put it. It's not going to be complete without wisdom. Here's the third. Uh, since man is God's creature, manliness can't be understood apart from your relationship to God. Now, this makes sense just if you step back and you go, okay, well, if God made us, then um, we're going to need to know, like, who we are and, and what our purpose is and what it means to be a strong man in light of how God made us. But we see three indications of that very thing right here in these two verses, okay? Number one, he says, stand firm in the faith, right? This, this is your post. It shows up, stand firm in the faith means that uh, you would stand firm in terms of representing your family and your work, your church. But to stand firm means you don't turn around and run. There are certain things that look like they're impossible to deal with, and what you're called to do is run to the fire, not away from it. He says, what are you saying when he says stand firm in the faith, live in the gospel, and stand for the gospel? Now, we'll talk about this a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but... Every man knows, every, every wise man knows that there's no such thing as a man who's only strong. Every man comes to the battlefield with weaknesses. A heart that's not full of courage, um, you know, arms that can't lift every object, Right? A, a mind that can't discern every enemy, every threat, doesn't always tactically know what to do. Every man knows that. Every man also knows that he hasn't lived up to his own ideals, let alone God's. So when we took communion this morning, we took the Lord's Supper, every man knows that he can't be what he's, he needs to be without another man standing up and taking his place and, ra and raising him up being Jesus Christ, right? Jesus went to the cross to lay down his life for us, to bear our sins, to be a sin bearer so that we could be brought to God. Stand firm in the faith, live in the gospel, and stand for the gospel. <clears throat> he uses the word men here, right? Act like men. Now, if you had never seen a man before, you might look at it and go, well, what's it do? I mean, so this isn't so incredible uh, as you might think because we live in an age of just... Uh, a technological surge that things we can do things now that we never dreamed dreamt before and maybe I've told this story <clears throat> I remember staying with my my grandpa grandpa Leonard and we would go fishing uh, in the summers and I'd, I'd go stay with him and and uh, you know for like a week or so and then he would take me to these little ponds that he knew whether he knew them or not and uh, and we would go we would go fish and he would tell me about his best lures and where to catch the biggest fish and 
But uh, there used to be a, a way that you'd get gas. So if you're young, maybe you've never seen one of these, but you would put the, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd put the nozzle into your car, and the way you told how much gas they were selling you is it, it was a device that rolled over. And so it just like kept, like, like old clocks that would do that, it would just turn over and it would tell you how many gallons and partial gallons that you got. And as it rolled over, that's how you read it. Well, my grandpa, you know, is obviously a lot older than me. It's part of the thing that goes into being a grandpa. We pull up to a gas station, and they had the digital gas pump. And he used some words that I can't repeat here. It's not because I don't remember them. Um, but <laughs> he drove off. And the reason was that it was a digital pump. And so I asked him, being inquisitive, I'm like, well, why didn't you just get gas there? I think they sell gas there, you know, since there are gas pumps there. It's a good indication. And he goes, no, the digital pumps, you know, who knows what they're giving you. They're probably ripping you off. Okay? So, uh, anyway, I got distracted. My bad. Um, we've seen things in our lifetimes that come up that are new to us, and we would ask, well, what's it do? If you've never seen a drone before, you go, like, what's it do? The first time you've ever seen a, a smartphone, you look, you look at it and you go, well, what's that do? But we have things that we could relate it to. If you had never seen a man before, you go, well, what's it do? He says, act like men. What's it do? Well, you would ask the designer. What is it that God intended, in the case of men, for them to do? To lead, protect, care, cultivate, teach, mentor, show grace, Weakness occurs away from these things. A weakness in man, uh, a failure of courage in men, occurs in when a man fails to stand firm in the faith, he fails to act like men. And then there's another little passage here where he says, Be strong. This is really interesting. There's a tension, and there's no need to get into the smarty pants part of the grammar. But there's a sense in which it's imperative. You do this, act like a man, be strong. But there's almost this passive side of it. Like it could be translated, be made strong. Right? Could be the sense. Manly strength has a source. God. You're called to be strong, but godly men know this, that the source of your strength, that strength's got to be applied in real time. You have to do it. You have to be brave. You have to lift the things. You have to fight the enemy. But the strength comes from beyond you. That strength comes from somewhere. So, you're not going to understand really manliness and strength apart, of, apart from knowing who you are in God. And then number four, fourth insight, your strength is a stewardship. You got it from God. He gave it to you for a reason. It's temporary. It doesn't last forever. We all wind down. I mean... Uh, you know, I say this from time to time, and it's worth repeating. All strength goes to weakness in us. Some of the bravest, strongest people that you would know, that who you've ever met, uh, they, don't, they don't get to keep it, not physically. But we're accountable for the strength that God has given us. It's not to be self-serving. That's where when you get to verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Be strong and act in love. That's what you put together. Your strength is a stewardship. It's never been about you. It's been about how you'll use what God has given you to lift others up. All right, 
So here's one of the things that in, in, uh, on days like this that I like to do. It's kind of cool. Pastors usually don't like lower attendance Sundays. But on talks like this, sometimes it's a little easier to go, hey, let's just chat. Um, so I'll tell you something that I like to do when I can find the time to do it. On an issue like this is to go, how do I step back and apply it and reflect on it? So I'd encourage you, men and ladies, to, to pray for men in your lives along these lines. To take what I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four things to in your quiet time, in a retreat time, to think and just ask yourself, how am I doing? How do I, how, I need to assess myself and, and what areas do I need to grow in? Okay, so here are four things that come right out of the passage. So what, what do I need to assess and work on? Number one, smarts. Where am I at on this? Am I checking out? Am I... Um, not really being honest about the threats and things like that going on. Deepen your understanding of people. Not only are people super interesting, they really are. They're the, uh, the theology, the study of God and the study of man are the, by far the two most interesting topics in the universe. Right? People are, are complicated. They're funny. Um, I mean, they can be awful, you know, which is still attractive to watch. Um, but deepen your understanding of people especially your wife and your kids. There's a calling in the Bible that calls men to understand their wives in a way nobody else would. 1 Peter 3, live with your wife in an understanding way. You ought to be, I ought to be an expert on, on Kara, my wife. Like, I ought to have a PhD in Karaology, Right? And uh, ought to be the leading, foremost expert. Live with your wife in an understanding way. It's a worthy topic, by the way. Um, but you also see this with kids, right? That, that we're called to don't exasperate your children. Well, you need to know what discourages your children. And for one child, it might be one thing. And for another, it might be another. And, and to, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I know of no better way than to encourage or to, to raise your uh, relational smarts than to do your own push-ups. Look at the Bible, and I mean look at it like God knows what he's talking about. Make close observation and be honest about how you tick as a person and say, where do I need to get after it? Do I need to be more tender to my wife? Um, am I trying to be my kid's best friend? Am I trying to be aloof? Uh, or do I need to balance those? Okay, number two. Another thing to assess and potentially work on, spiritual growth. God is your designer. You were made to know him, and you were made to honor him in your relationships with uh, others. So one of the things that you can look at is, if I'm really going to be the man that I ought to be, if I'm going to be optimized, if you just want to look at it mechanistically, if I'm going to be optimized, I can't do that apart from the source, and, that, and that's God. But on a real organic level, you were, you were actually made to walk with God and to know God. And you're not going to find strength and comfort and resolve outside of that. So spiritual growth. Number three, courage. Overcome your own important fears to make those around you feel safe. Um, I'm going to tell you something that I think is, I see as borne out as true in over uh, or almost two decades of ministry. Men who hide stuff are afraid. 
Men with secrets have anxiety. Men who want to be celebrated by other people are frail. Is it too important what your friends think of you, what your kids think of you, even what your wife thinks of you? So I'm going to sound like a total misogynist here, okay? So just bear with me. I'm, I'm right on this, though, okay? So I'm wrong about some other things, but on this I'm right. Some of you, there's an argument with your wife that uh, maybe 95% you can lose, and it's not a big deal. But there's like 5% you need to win. You need to win because you're right. There's some, there's some you need to lose because you want to be right and your wife is right. And you need to have the humility and discernment to, to lay it down. But So here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this temptation to give the most important person in your life what she wants just because you don't want her to be disappointed. I'm not talking about just arguing, throwing things. I'm talking about standing up and doing the right thing when it matters. Okay? And we all have to collaborate that way as, as couples. That goes back and forth. But I just see a vulnerability with men sometimes that they go, oh, she's going to be too complicated to deal with, or I don't want her to be disappointed, or whatever. Some of those you need to win. Some of those with your, your kids, they need not to think that you're a great guy. They need to think that you mean what you say. And uh, courage. If you hide stuff, you're not going to have courage. If it means too much to you what your wife, your kids, your friend thinks about, think about you in the moment, you're not going to have courage. You'll give it away to them. It's easy to sell off. Um, so but be, courageous. <laughs> be courageous. Number four, selflessness. I have about 80 things that I could say here. Let me just say one, and then we'll wrap it up. Discover a more important goal than yourself. Okay? Uh, what if your delight was using your strength to make others strong? Discover a more important goal than yourself, selflessness. So look at those four, retreat. Look at those four, assess yourself and see, what do I need to grow in and how might I do that? So my best advice is be God's man. Be there and be about them. And that's exactly what Christ did, right? He gave himself away. Christ became weak so that the weak could become strong. And all you are is an echo of that, right? So it's sort of an under-shepherd in that, in your, in your own sphere. So let's do that. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would bless the reading and the teaching of your word. We know we're all men of clay. We know that sometimes we have to have courage in tough spots, and we need to be alert and watchful uh, when we get fatigued or we just want to check out and we get worn down. And I pray by the power of your spirit, by the strength of fellowship and influence with other men on point, that the men in this room would raise the level of their awareness and their resolve to live for Jesus, to raise a family who's loyal to Jesus, to see the church as vibrant, to bring that light to their, their places of influence, their workplace. And we pray for um, young girls here, that as they grow, that they would have an eye for real men and young boys here who would want to grow up not to keep playing, not to shirk responsibility, 
but take, to take the weight on their shoulders to take care of other people. We know we're agents of that. We know we're means to that. But we pray that you would bless in that endeavor. What a great privilege to be fathers. What a great privilege to be called to be men and represent you even, even outside the sphere of, of fatherhood. And uh, we're so grateful to have a, a strong and tender father like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The proceeding has been a teaching of Lifeway Church of Billings. 